You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. <laughs> Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Con Report wherever you get your podcast. Watch it on YouTube, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. You can find us there as part of the Empire Media Network. That's A-M-P-I-R-E. Always much appreciated when you get there. Now, today, I have a special guest for you. Former Washington receiver, Santana Moss. Always an honest and very forthright interview. And that's why I wanted to have him on. We talk about the offense. He discusses some of what he doesn't like about what he sees offensively, including from some things he'd like to do in terms of scheme and all that. Then we, I asked him about the defensive backfield. He wasn't shy about expressing his dissatisfaction there in a very professional way, and, but you, he gets his point across. Moss was always an honest guy when I talked to him as a player, and he, may, he continues to be that way, even though he's, he does work for the commanders at, for, in parts of their communications department, but he's still an honest guy. And But again, very professional. You'll learn something listening to him. So stick around for that. And in one minute, one or two minutes, I'll get you there. First, though, a couple of things. One, you can go back and check out the live stream YouTube show that Bram Weinstein and I did. Actually, it's on the podcast as well. Every Tuesday night at 7.30. So I don't think we're going to have one this next week because of the Thursday night game. But we'll be back to that after that game. But go back and listen to it. Bram and I share a lot of insight into what we think is going on and just some some of your frustrations. Also, you can check out my son's college show every Thursday and Friday going, leading into the college football weekend called Between the Hashes. Give it a look. It's part of Empire Media as well on the, on the YouTube channel. First of all, let's start with the good news for the day for the commanders. Brian Robinson back on the field. About five weeks after he was shot twice in a robbery slash carjacking attempt in Washington, D.C., a remarkable story. It's not a surprise that he's back this week because we've seen the progress. But you look back to the beginning of this and wow, is it unbelievable that he's back here now. And and it's very and he's a very fortunate kid. And I think everybody, he knows that, the team knows that, and it's nice to have a story be around a story where somebody in that situation, you can look back and say, he was fortunate because we know the reverse. And you know it with Sean Taylor, we all know that. But with Brian Robinson, thank goodness, thank God that it wasn't worse and that he is he was back out there today. And he looks to be in very good spirits. His teammates really were thrilled to have him back. Uh, Terry McLaurin told, told us that, He's an inspiration to to them, to him. And you can get a, if you can be an inspiration to a guy like McLaurin, that says a lot. And it's not just it, it was because of how he was before the injury as well. He's a guy who's very studious, asked a lot of questions in the meeting room. He also brought a lot of energy to that room. And so I think that's something that people are going to enjoy. Now, his impact on the field, 
we don't know how much it's going to be. We don't know when he's going to play. Ron Rivera said today that, there, yes, there, of course, is some optimism that he can play on Sunday, but there's also a chance that the Thursday game could factor into the decision as well. Would they put him out there on Sunday knowing that he'd have to play another game four days later? I don't know. And Rivera said he wasn't sure either. The big key is how he responds to today's practice when he, when he gets when he goes back to the facility on Thursday, and then how how the knee responds on Friday. They measure things using GPS, and so they can tell how fast he's running. They can track all that. It'll give them an idea of is he maintaining that speed, et cetera. If he is, then they feel he's in a good spot. You can read more about Robinson for this with the story I wrote on ESPN.com. That's up there now, and it'll be up there when you're listening to this on Thursday. So you can go back and read that. I also have a story on Carson Wentz and some of his struggles the last couple of weeks. It's not all on him. That protection's got to help, but he also has to help himself as well. There, so that's it right there. Uh, let's a couple other key injuries. Sam Cosme, as a, as you know, had surgery on his on Ron Rivera called the finger. We had heard there was a thumb. Regardless, he, it does, he's not going to play this week. He did not practice. Jahan Dotson has a hamstring injury. Ron Rivera said that he's going to miss a game or a week or two. So obviously that would be, you know, the best guess would be coming out of the after the Bears game. And so I think that's the other one. The other one was Charles Leno set out with a shoulder injury. It's really about maintenance for him. It's not about is he going to play or not. He'll play, but they want to make sure that they're not putting him through unnecessary contact during some practice. When they need him to go get reps in a certain of a, in a certain play, they'll bring him in but they're not going to expose them to a lot of contact. Not that there's a ton of hitting in practice, but you are talking about there's, you are playing with pads on. It is physical, so there is contact. It's not game day contact. But So they want to limit that, but so but he was out with the shoulder injury. Curtis Samuel was not there today. There's an illness. Um, he's, he's expected to be fine for Sunday. That's, well, that's what it sounds like. So that's, anyway, that's it for there. Then the other day, Ron Rivera told J.P. Finley in their weekly, he has a weekly thing with NBC Sports, that if things don't get better, there could be some big moves. He was asked about, the Rivera was asked about those big, what possible big moves there could be. Of course, if you think huge move, it's quarterback. I don't think they're at that point at all. It's still very early, and I think that would be, they'd have to really, really have soured to change something this fast with him. That Rivera and others have maintained that the more he plays in Scott Turner's system, the more comfortable he'll comfortable he'll be, and the better it will become. So, but the other, what other big moves could there be? Listen, one move that I'm certainly going to look at is getting Benjamin St. Juice on the field more, whether it's for William Jackson or Kendall Fuller, whatever. Get him on the field more because he's been playing the best of the corners. And then the other part of that is the, and I think you could see this 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 week. You could go with a lot of three safety sets this week going up against uh, Tennessee and their run-heavy attack with Derrick Henry because two of the better defensive backs that you that they've had this year are Derrick Forrest and Benjamin St. Juice. And I'd find a way to get them on the field as much as possible and limit some of those um, big plays that they've been giving up and and just do something there. So would that be a big move? Possibly. Um, and I, I definitely think that would be on the table for them because of the way St. Juice is playing. And again, Get your best players in the field. Forrest and Curl are a really good combination at that with um, the Buffalo nickel and being able to drop both. They can kind of rotate who drops back along with McCain. They can both go up in the box and make plays. 
I saw Forrest do it last week. He made a couple nice stops to help against the run against Ezekiel Elliott. But again, he's playing well. Cam Curl is a good safety. McCain's been fine. You you know, so but William Jackson, Kendall Fuller, they've had their issues. And how can you solve that? Anyway, we'll we'll talk more about that later. That's it from me. You want to hear from Santana Moss because he was really good. So here's my conversation with former Washington Redskins receiver Santana Moss. Santana, this is not the start that I think anybody was hoping for or expected. How surprised are you at what's gone on in the first four games? You know, John, I'm, I'm very surprised. I think especially when you saw how explosive our offense looked the first, first week of the season, um, just seeing those three receivers being able to be utilized the way they were, um, knowing that we was going to have a run game, we didn't really have to lean on it then. And, you know, just defensively, I think, you know, when you look at it as a whole, um, I expected a little more for them. I could, I can say that the defense have played to the level of expectation, but I think that with the offense lacking, it's kind of hard to sustain that. And that's why you're seeing these lopsided scores. And that's why you're seeing the defense looking like they look at times because they roll, you know, they rose to the occasion, but just doesn't have that that other side to really come in and 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 pick up in a point point area. So um I'm surprised as a whole, man. I I I thought a little, you know, I'm up, I'm always optimistic. So I was expecting a lot more, but um hopefully, man, something happens soon, you know. Are you still optimistic based on what you've seen? Because you're right, like defensively, the last two games, they've kept them in the game. With their, yeah. with, that may be, you know, given what they have and given everything, they can play a little bit better, but that may be what they can do. But it was good mm-hmm. enough to keep them in games if the offense had done anything to help out. Yeah, I'm still optimistic. I think it's hard for me not to be a believer. You know, I'm a, I've been like that all my life. And when you believe in somebody or, or this team like I do, you know, you just want to see them get around that, whatever it, it may be. Uh, I played this game too long to know that <laughs> right now I feel like they're at its worst. You know, it can't get no right. worse. That's how I look at things, you know. So with knowing that these guys will, knowing what these guys are about, you know, if something has to turn. This coaching staff has to find some kind of way to, you know, make something work. But that's what gives me that hope and that optimism. I think just knowing that, you know, I've been a part of seasons like this. Um, right. I can't say that I've been, been a part of them a lot when they started off like this, when, when, when expectations was as high as it was for this team was. But I just feel like something has to give sooner or later. And it's, it's too much talent for me to believe that this team is going to be sitting here or uh, not playing, not playing better football. Do you think expectations may have been a little bit too high? I mean, I, you know, Carson Wentz is not, you know, he's had a, one good game, a good half, and then two not good games, two bad games. Were expectations too high, or do you still think, like, no, they're just not playing well? Yeah, I don't think expectations was too high, because if you ask me, I was kind of getting a little, you know, pissed off from just hearing other folks always talking down on Carson. You know, you know, I'm one of those guys, I'm like, look, you know, I, I go places, and the first thing someone asks me, man, how are we looking this year? And I'm like, yeah, you know, it should be nice. Yeah, I don't know about Carson. And I don't, and and so, you know, I'm one of those guys. I'm like, okay, if you're if you're a fan or you're rooting for this ball club, then you need to think positively. You know what I mean? You can't say that, yeah, I'm hoping us to have success, but I'm worried about this. You've set yourself up for failure because you're worrying about the stuff and you're kind of speaking it into existence. 
that's just me. I may be just one of them superstitious type of dudes and I don't rock that way, but it was, it's hard for me to believe someone to, to kind of root for a team and then talk down on a guy who's going to be, you know, leading this, you know, leading the ship. But um, I do believe with all things said and done, you know, when you're a new quarterback and you have new pieces, it takes time. So let me say that too. Let me pump my brakes a little bit on, I think week one kind of showed us that, oh, maybe they don't need time. Maybe they, you know, these guys are, you know, hitting on all cylinders, you know. And I I still kind of find it hard to believe that it's not really just the skill position, guys, I don't think. Right. I think offensively, our offensive line is just weak right now. And right. we have to find a way that we can help those guys. Maybe we might have to change the scheme. You know, maybe we might have to, you know, leave two tight ends in the game so we can, you know, add extra protection, you know, you know, for Carson, whatever it may be, we have to find a way to combat what's going on because it seemed to me just watching the games, when we want to get into our, our style of play and spread everybody out, that's when things, you know, go haywire. And right. you can't afford to do that right now, and that's a part of our offense. So, to me, you have to find another way, and I think that's why these coaches get paid. You have to be able to adjust and, and adapt to what's going to be basically your style of play that's going to get, you know, get productivity out of it. Do you think that will be the run game? They did well last week, and that's what they had to do. But do you think they'll be able to, that they will try to sustain that? I think it's very possible that we can lean on the run game a lot more. Um, I do believe too that you can't have the success that we had last week and then shoot yourself in the foot by having those penalties and have to get out right. of that. You know, that's what that's what handicapped us last week. I think as soon as we got things going penalty and then we got a we have a you know third and long and now we have to do something that we didn't want to do or or second and long now we have to throw the ball so you just want to find a, try to find a way to have a, a a nice balance man and even with that style of play that we played last week I still feel like you can have two two or three man routes you know what I mean you don't have to have four guys in a route you don't right. have to have you know what I mean I played on teams where it was me and Cooley and Portis. The Portis weren't right. running. Me and Cooley was, go, you know, going out there, you know, steering everything and making stuff happen. So with the talent that we have, with the weapons that we have, if you feel like we can't run our style of style of offense because of the rush and because of the protection that we're lacking with our offensive line, you know, double tight, make sure that you have, you know, uh, that, that, that added help and just put two guys in route. And then make those guys beat their man, you know. And when all said and done, if they're not open, that running back leaks out late, same way that Dallas did us, you know what I mean? So right. it, it's it's a lot of ways you can do things. I'm no offensive coordinator. I just played the game. I remember some of the things that, you know, was successful for us. But something has to change because we can't continue to be going on week after week saying the same thing. Do you – when – because – Carson is new to this offense. And so there's naturally going to be a growth and a learning curve with that. You can play better be while you're doing it. We know that. How much mm -hmm. when you look at him, and it, it may be hard to tell without knowing exactly where he's supposed to go in every play, et cetera. But can you tell where he looks uncomfortable versus where that's just him? Like, cause he had a tendency to hold the ball, but maybe he's holding it sometimes a little bit longer because you're not trusting everything you see just yet in this offense. Can you, is there, is it possible to tell where he still looks uncomfortable being in a new offense? I mean, honestly, it looks like Carson from the last few years. If you ask okay. me, I think one of the things that stood out to me in um, the game against 
Philly, you know, as much as people say that Carson held on to the ball long, he did. Um, should he have thrown the ball away quicker? Yes, he should have. But the thing that I was more, I came out of that game, you know, pleased with, he didn't throw it into the other guy's hands. Right. So it's like he's trying to correct one thing, but then forgetting to say, hey, you're still playing football. Get rid of the ball. Because if because it was at times when I felt last, um, that Eagles game where we had a plan and the Eagles, we, we assumed the Eagles was, was going to kind of attack our plan a certain way. Right. And the Eagles showed us that they were, and then they backed out of it. And then it's like, we didn't have a plan after that. Right. And easily that could have been a quarterback saying, Hey, screw it. This is what we call him throwing the ball, but he didn't. And he wanted to make sure he made the right decision, but you can't forget the other decisions you have to make. Okay. That's not there. Now let's make something happen. And I think that's some of the things that we had grown accustomed to seeing from Carson Hey, when it's not there, slide into that pocket, find a way to get two, three, four, five yards. But that might not be his game anymore. Who knows? I don't know if he's scared to do it. I don't know if he just don't want to do it. But I saw plenty of times when he could have slid and got out of that pocket in the Eagles game and had more success. Now, in the Cowboys game, I didn't see that pocket or those lanes, you know, develop. I feel like everything was pushed into his lap. So he had to really get rid of the ball, you know, one way or another. and. Half of the time it was overthrowing or someone was wide open or just, you know, not throwing to the right person. So it's hard to wrap my hand around it, man. But I just feel like as a coach and as a quarterback, they have to get into that meeting room and find something steady that they can say, okay, we can rely on this set, this formation, this set of plays, and we can go. We can move the ball up and down the field with this. And I think our running game has shown what we can do when we get you know, get behind them, but we have to find something in our passing game that's going to sim- um, make things a little simpler and attack the guys with the weapons that we have. We have too much talent on the outside for us not to have those guys being active week in and week out. When you have a rush like last week with Dallas was doing, and Tennessee does not have that kind of a rush, but Dallas does, and you're going to face them again. A couple other teams will, and they'll probably try to pressure Carson. How easy does it make it for the defensive backfield to then basically sit on routes? Did you notice that from Dallas? Oh, yes, most definitely, because you got to understand this is a copycat league. It's a copycat world. So teams are watching you and they saying, "Okay, this is what happened when we did. This will happen when this team did this. Did the ball go down the field? No. Was he able to step up in the pocket? No. So now as a defensive back, I'm sitting there anticipating that, okay, my line is going to win. But if you saw against Dallas, half of the time, they might have blitzed us, I don't know, no more than five times, if that. Right. It, it was almost barely none. It was at times right. I saw six men, you know, up there, but then they might have backed out. You know, two of them might have backed out, three-man rush. So teams are playing with that right now because they feel like we can't win regardless up front, no matter who we, who they bring, you know. so And that's bad. That's yeah. bad, honestly, when you – when you can bring three and four guys and you can't win, they don't have to do nothing but now sit in coverage. And that's difficult for a quarterback to see so many guys because now you got to throw into a zone that's not there. You know, it's no longer man man coverage. It's, it's basically all these guys sitting back into different lanes that you're trying to find an open guy in. And now that what makes a guy be able to hold on to the ball a little more because now he's like, okay, well, the guy who I wanted to go to or that lane I thought was going to be there is no longer there. And I can't adjust quick and go to my second and third read because I have a guy in my lap, you know what right. I mean? So it's just right. difficult, man. That's why I say 
regardless of what you're doing as a quarterback, yes, we can blame Carson. He does need to shoulder or bear some of this blame. But at the same time, man, give him something more that he can see. And then we can see if he, you know, did his job. I, I feel like right now it's too much of the stuff going on in front of him that we can't even judge him or grade him right on his job because that could be difficult for any quarterback in that, you know, that, that situation that he's in right now. I mean, guys are literally in his lap and it's only two, it's only three or four man rush. I never saw anything like it. And, you know, it's funny because they, they do lose a lot of one-on-ones up front. I'm watching Dallas has a six-man protection. I'm watching Cooper rush off a play action that, you know, was, was fine, but it's a four-man rush, six-man protection, and nobody is near Cooper Rush. Because, like, and that's how, it's, that's how you want, you'd like to see it work more often than not here for Wentz because it gives him a chance. What, what about with, with the receivers? If you're a receiver in that situation, how frustrating does it get? Trust me, man. I think the mo- it's hard to say because, I mean, it's not hard, but it's hard to just feel what those guys are going through right now. I just know in my years, man, I'd be so frustrated, man. I didn't know how I didn't I didn't know what to do. And I'm not even saying that I was frustrated because we had games like this. I was frustrated this when I couldn't get the ball, when I couldn't right. be productive, when I couldn't go out there and do my job. So just imagining what these guys are going through right now, just knowing that they're lethal, knowing that it's a it's a it's a, a core of them. It's, it's not just one guy. Man, they, they have to be livid right now. And I'm sure that they're going to be professional. I'm sure that they're going to go to work every week and just, you know, continue to prepare, you know, punch in. But like I said before, something has to give. Maybe we have to do a little more of that short pass game. Maybe, maybe even bring some of that stuff. See, one of the things that I watch a lot, watch a lot of these offenses that have success. I'm often quoting and telling people that the best offense I've ever played in was the Kyle Shanahan offense. And one of the things I found about that offense, the style, is that what we would do, we would bring everybody so tight. And now you have so much room on the outside. And we used it to our advantage. We gave you so much in, in inside, you know, as far as those crossing routes, sit downs over the um the um the uh, center area, you know, different little, you know, over routes, different little uh drift routes. We gave you all that while at the same time still attacking your outside. So we made the off, we made opposing team's defense come in, then have to then have to widen with us. And that's how you open up those lanes and find little hidden, hidden little areas that you can throw the ball in. That that works so well to where I see everybody's doing it now. You know, yeah. and when I see us spread, we wide, and then now we're not attacking those areas, but we just running everything from a wide split. It's hard to do that in this league, you know, because now defense is already, that's, that's traditional football. You know, that's, that's a regular base defense, man. We can run, we can put cover six, cover four, and just say, okay, you know, put one of our backers underneath in this little area here and now beat us. But it's not difficult. And like I said before, I'm, I'm, I'm no offensive coordinator, so I can't tell you, you know, I'm just going off of stuff that I've seen. And so, and I ask a lot of guys who, who know how to break down film. One of the things I love been working with Logan Paulson, man, he breaks down film better yep. than anybody I know in the world. Like, great. I'm almost looking at him and I feel discouraged at times. Like, should I know all this stuff that you know? Because <laughs> he just knows so much. I'm like, bro, I played football for a long time. And you know things that I didn't learn. You know what I mean? I learned what I had to. But, 
nah, but it's great just watching, you know, the things that he show you. And I'm like, yeah. Logan, you have a point, Logan. Like you have a and Logan brought that up to me. So that's not my idea. I he talked to him that about to that. Me. Yeah, he brought that up to me. And I'm like, you have a point. I remember this, Logan. I remember us doing that. And I remember us being successful. And I didn't know why that offense worked so well and we moved the ball so effortlessly, you know, down the field. So when I watch our offense, it's hard to look at it at times because you're saying like, okay, we're finna pass the ball, you know? And when I was in that offense, or if I'm watching the games, when I'm watching Cal and Matt LaFleur and I'm watching, you know, uh, Sean McVay and all those guys, even, you know, Mike McDaniels, that's why they're having so much success. Yeah, I understand the cheetah, cheetah and Waddle is so lethal on the outside, but it's the way the offense runs, man. It's just the way the formations kind of keep you guessing, like not knowing what they're going to run. And like I said, I understand Scott Turner has a different offense, so right. that's not me to say that he needs to run this. No, I just feel that when certain things are not working, I've been a part of an offense when I first got here in 05. I remember this, and you can go quote me if I'm wrong or go ask Coach go, uh, uh, Gibbs. We scrap all our passing plays at one time. We say, Tanner, I'm going to put together everything that the other team couldn't stop who we who we facing. If, if they couldn't stop whatever was ran against them last week, we're going to take those off those passing plays and we're going to see if you can run it. And every week, I remember, every Wednesday, I would have to come in at 6 o'clock in the morning. Coach Joe Bro would come in there and grab me and he say, I got these plays, Tanner. Can you run them? And, you know, honestly, no receiver going to say no, but I honestly could run them all. And I love the fact that we was using things that can work that we saw other teams successful with instead of just trying to run our scheme. If it's not going to work, then that's just run what's going to work. And we did that the entire season. And we had that that marvelous, you know, run to the second round that could have, you know, probably could have went a little deeper, but we didn't. And to make sure we scrapped all that and went to another style of offense. And I'm like, why? Why? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know what I mean? So yeah. I get I get discouraged as a player when I see offenses or when I see teams try to just make their stuff work. And if it's not working, it's not working, bro. It's not saying that you're not a good coach. No. It's not saying that you don't have a good scheme. It's just not working. So let's do what's worked. And let's maybe steal a little bit here. Steal a little bit there. You know, with, with um Jason Campbell. Jason Campbell couldn't run certain things that we was running that time. So, you know, we did two minute offense. We didn't hurry up. We put that two minute style offense out there. And Jason knew every concept of the two minute offense. So he knew where the two slot guys are going to be and where the outside guy was going to be. And he knew his check down. That was simpler for him. And we ran that up and down the field when we couldn't run our offense because that was easier for Jason. And when I see things like that working, that lets you know that sometimes we can kind of make ourselves look dumb trying to run things that just is not working. Right. And trying to say, hey, we're going to stick to the script. We're going to stick to our scheme. We're going to stick to what we have. The, what makes coaches great in this league or any league or at any level is how they can adapt and adjust. And I think we just have to do that um, a little more. Not to say that these guys aren't doing it. Like I said, I'm not in there, so I don't know right. what's being done. So let me let me say that first and foremost. I do believe in those guys. You know, I've been saying it from from day one. I like Ron. You know, I I I um I feel like he's a great motivator. I feel like he's one of those coaches that you know I, I hear a lot of people harping at him somehow. Oh, that they need to see more expression. They need to see more. You know, see see him ticked off a little more. I'm not a guy that's 
all about that. You don't have to be ticked off for me to go out there and play for you or show me that you're mad when that, that's not your character. That's not your character. But I just feel like as a, as a team, we have to find something that works for us and run that thing until the wheels fall off. Cause I feel like we have too many guys that can be lethal and we just handicapping them right now and trying to do things that's not working. A funny thing about those tight bunches too, it helps the run game, it sets you up for the cracks. And also the other thing is too, is when you watch other teams that put this team into stress is when they motion into a bunch. And it's a last second motion into a bunch, into a stack and test the rules of the defense. That's yeah. another thing that, that helps as well. Yeah, I mean, all, all that stuff works. I mean, and I, like I said, like week one, when we have, when you have a guy in Curtis Samuel, when you can, leave, you can line him up in the backfield running the ball with him, you can line him up in the backfield, run a pass out of the backfield with him. So you have that, that, that style of a guy or that caliber of a player that you can keep the defense guessing, moving from outside, run them to the backfield, you know, bring in the bunch, you know, bring him inside and, and, and do something. So that's what I mean. Like you want to see a little more creativity just knowing that. And like I said before, if we can't do it because we can't protect, I understand. Right. But then now we have to find a way to protect and just right. run to something that's basic. You know what I mean? Right. Hey, let's just go to some things that I saw last week that worked. Hey, we double tight, <laughs> six man protection and run at them and keep running at them. No more penalties. Run at them. And then now guess what we're going to do? Show you that same formation. Now we're going to leak a guy to pass the ball. You know, we can do that. And it don't have to be so hard. Terry uh, McCorn, you know, obviously people want him to get the ball more. I think really, in all honesty, they need to get the ball more to the receivers in general. But with Terry, what have you seen so far? And there have been a couple of times where, where I've seen where he's open, maybe not part of the progression, maybe not waiting long enough to get him, maybe just missed. But what have you seen and what's your take on that one? You know, I feel like everybody else. I think Terry should be one of those guys that in that first 15, at least, at least three attempts. Not hard. You know, get him going. You know, I was a guy, I, I used to tell Cal every now and then, and I hate the fact that I got a chance to play with Cowdom so so late in my career. Yeah. Because after that 2010 season, that was like my last year, my last good year I had on my leg. Don't get me wrong, 2012, I was more healthier and I was lighter. I lost all that weight that I had gained from the knee injury and from the, some of the stuff I was going on, you know, in my personal life. But by that time, they wanted to move me to the slot. So which, I wish I could have been still on the outside. I could have did more. But I said all that to say this. I used to tell those guys when I was starting, like, man, get me going. Like, just give me a hitch. Give me a slip screen. Give me a slant. Give me something that's going to get me involved so I don't have to wait on getting involved. I think that's what I saw. We did that quick, you know, uh, I think it was a, a slip screen or something like that yep. with Terry last week. And then we just didn't see him for a while. So I just feel with so many weapons, it's hard for Scott probably to find three plays for each of those guys, you know what I mean? In the first right. 15, you want to run your plays. You want not to, you know, um, force the, force the issue. But I think he just one of those guys that he finds a way to get open. He finds a way to make a play. So you gotta, when things are going bad for us or we're not moving the ball and not necessarily when it's going bad, when you have those dry, every series. And I used to hate this too, because I see a lot of other receivers, Cooper cup, man, he, he's, he's leaving games with his tongue hanging out of his mouth. That's what you want as a receiver. I feel every series, all my guys should touch the ball once. It's, it's not hard. Every series, my running backs are going to get their carries. So I need Logan, 
all have an attempt. I need um, Jahan to have an attempt, Sammy's to have an attempt, and I need Terry to have an attempt. At least an attempt every series. That way, now that guy, he's not going to, he's not going to be sitting there feeling like they didn't come to me, you know, or they taking too long to come to me. I'm cold out here. I'm running these routes for nothing. That's what happens to most receivers. Happened to me a ton in my career. I, I got to the point where I was just out there. And you sit there and you get frustrated just running the routes, running the routes, running the routes. And I'm sure these guys play the game like I played the game. You, you know, you, you have more to your game than just catching the ball. You go out there and be a decoy. You go out there and setting up, you know, blocks for your running backs and stuff like that. All that is a part of, the, of football. So guys like Terry and those guys who we have here on this team, they're not, they're not against doing that. And that's what makes them who they are. And that's what made, made me who I was. So that's why I was able to play so long because I wasn't a guy when I wasn't getting the ball, I was just loafing somewhere and sitting back there looking at the sideline pissed off. I played the game. But with all that being said, you have to treat these guys. You have to know that these guys can get bored out there. So you have to find a way to get them involved. And I think that's the only thing that I see with Terry right now. He's getting open at times, but maybe that might not be the time when he's in the progression. You know what I'm saying? Or maybe that might not be the time that Carson had enough time to get to him in the progression. So we just got to find a way to keep the guy happy, man. I feel like when you pay a guy that kind of money, man, <laughs> you're going to use him. You're going to make sure he's one of those guys that even with the stuff that we do with um, Curtis, switch it up. Put Terry in that. You know, you don't keep bringing the same guys in different little packages and say, okay, this is all we're going to do with Curtis. You have guys that can basically be interchangeable. I think John could do that. Terry could do that. So that's another thing that stands out to me from some of the offenses that I ran or that I was in that we kept teams guessing because we would get to the same play in a different formation or we would get to that same route with a different player. And that's what you have to do. You have to find ways to keep a, have a defense on their heels, not on their toes, on their heels, not sure about who's going to run what route or not. Whatever you ran out of the backfield with Curtis, Put um, you know, uh, Terry in that same formation. Let him do it. Maybe he might not run the run that route just like Curtis. But if you put him in that position, now that team has to second guess themselves, knowing that oh, I don't know if he's going to run the same thing that we saw Curtis do, or he's just been a decoy right now. You want them to have that kind of thought process because now that's when you get them on their heels, and that's when you can beat them. And and again, everything is about stressing the rules of a defense to me. And that's you know, it's funny because a couple times, even against the Eagles, where Terry was open or getting open. They were slower developing plays, and that's where it's like you have to get to some of those some of those quick throws to him. And to his credit, he's like you. He's like Clinton, where he blocks his ass off when he does yeah. when he's not getting the ball. And like that's why you give that guy that kind of money because he's that's not why you reward him. Yeah, yeah, you exactly. Reward a guy like that. Um, corner the corner play. What have you thought? Cornerback play. Cornerback play. Um, yeah, man. You know, I've. <laughs> See, I'm thinking long. <laughs> I think you're right. I think that's the answer right there. Look, I'm going to be real with you. I feel like we have some talented corners. I'm all about effort. John, you know, I'm all about effort, man. Look, everybody can't be locked down, shut down a corner. So I understand that, you know. Fred Smoot would get beat plenty of time. He'll tell you himself. But did Fred Smoot get back up and talk crap to that guy and made sure that guy second-guessed it by the – that second or third time, sure. And maybe Fred will play a different way and make it harder for that guy the next time. That's effort. That's will. That's showing the guy that, hey, regardless of what you got me one time, you got to do it again. I see a little of that sometimes. Like, it's like we give in. 
I'm not saying no names because I'm going to be honest with you. The week before last, I felt like our corners played exceptionally well. Yes, they got beat, but guess what? All those catches was guys going over the top right. of them, making plays. Right. I can live with that all day. That's football. Somebody got to make a play. Right. And half of the time when you're a cornerback, if you're plastered on a guy and you can't see the ball, that guy should come down with the ball unless you just pee in that, you know, pee out that guy. Right. And I feel like we played better against some, to me, more capable wide receivers. Even though they had a ton of yards. Well, that one guy did, you know, um, Smith had a ton of yards. But we played well, you know. This week here, went back to just letting guys run up and down the field. And we can't, we can't have it, man. Honestly, you know, I like to be critical. Um, I'm a guy that I like to shoot it straight because when I effed up, I'm going to be honest with you. I effed right. up. If I dropped the ball, I dropped the ball. If I didn't, you know, do something well and somebody spoke out about it, hey, they right. I got to go out there and, and make do with that and erase that narrative or memory out of their head so they can see who I am. I had that, 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 that went on through everybody. That goes on through that goes through everybody's career. Everybody who played this game going to have a game or two where they feel like they can just forget. And I hate to say it, at, at watching our corners, it seems like that's every week. And it's not. It, it, it's, it's, you can't play. You can't afford that. Play. You can't afford to have our defense playing as well as they've been playing and have that kind of lackadaisical um, um, coverage in the back end. I mean, that's hard, man. It's hard. It's, it's tough on all those other guys. So, um, I'm gonna be honest with you. Fuller plays his behind off. I think Fuller be put in situations sometimes where we know, like you know, one of the things that stand out about me, I watch guys very closely. Fuller can't run with some of these guys. I know that he knows that. You can tell it. It's something yeah, yeah, with, with yeah. a with a. You can see it. It's nothing. It's nothing against him, because he's there every time. He's still <laughs> fighting. He's still clawing. He's there. Even when I want the cornerbacks to play press and come up a little bit and challenge these receivers a little bit. I'd rather see that than see a corner 20 yards off someone and steady backing up. Yeah. I can run hitches all day. Give me a hitch. Give me that. You know what I mean? So I see a lot of that on one side, man. And it's just sad. And like I said, I didn't want to even call no names because I just feel like I'm not, I don't have to, man. We have to play better. And I felt that St. Juice did a great job when he had to be thrown in that position. Yeah. And he opened the eyes of a lot of people because I had people calling me last week like, so why St. Juice ain't on the outside again? I'm like, no, because the guy who was hurt, he's back. But then, you know, and I know, I know what they was getting at, yeah. but you have to have better. Like I said before, we're not going to lock down everybody. These guys get paid the big bucks now on the outside because, you know, the game is, has evolved to be a passing game and to let those guys on the outside do their thing. So at the cornerback position, I don't care how much money you paying them. If you're man to man, you should get beat because the guys on the outside that good these days. So, but if you're not disrupting that guy, if you're not up close, you don't have to be the best, you know, jammer in the game. Just disrupt his timing enough to get the quarterback off him. If we're not doing that, it's impossible to cover the receivers in the National Football League today. And we don't do enough of that. And if sometimes you see it on one side, you don't see it on the other side. Um, I don't have to be on here to tell you what, what what's going on with our cornerback. It, it's it's not good. It's not good for our defense. It's not good for our team. 
they have to get better. And, you know, sometimes when you're critical, a lot of times you're critical, guys get in their feelings about things. And that's why you try to be mindful because what you see, because, you know, it's a different game, you know. But what's the obvious is everybody sees it. Right. On film. It's on there. So whether you whether you whether you mad at somebody calling it out or not, the coaches see it. So you can't hide it. Yep, you're right. And there, you know, and my only thing with off coverage is fine, but you've got to play it right. And you can't back up too much and give more cushion. You watch Dallas doing it and, and they're just they take a slight back pedal and they drive because they know what's coming. The pressure helps too, but there's a way you can play it where it's very effective. Anyway, Santana, tell people where you <laughs> where they can find you and what you got going on. You know, I well, I'm um I'm doing stuff with the commanders of every Throughout the week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you can catch me on Command Center. Me, Logan Paulson, and Jimmy Donaldson. Um, also, you can catch me on the podcast. We have the Players Club every week. I believe that airs on Saturdays. And then I'm doing pre and post game with MEC Sports Washington on game days. Um, my Instagram is 8 to the 9, Facebook, 8 to the 9. It's eight to the nine on Twitter, also, but I, I think my last tweet was 2011, if I'm not mistaken. So <laughs> don't look for me on Twitter. <laughs> there you go. Santana, you're the best, man. I always love this. Thank you very much. Thank you, man. I appreciate you as always. That's it for this week. Thanks to Santana for joining me, and thank you as always for listening. And I always say it, man, I really appreciate it. The one in three. You're frustrated as hell, so I appreciate you tuning in to still talk and listen about the talk about this team, and your interest helps me quite a bit, so I appreciate it. Anyway, that's it. I'll be back on Friday with Teron Davenport, who covers the Tennessee Titans for ESPN, as well as my keys to the game and a prediction. I'll talk to you next time.